here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. Break it down. Oh, you didn't know? Stand back. I'm a master. I'm a seat. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Eat me. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich, and today I'm joined by no one. That's right. No guest co-host today, it's just me. I promise I'll get another mic on the show for the next episode. It's just that this episode in particular, I kind of wanted to do it just by myself. Monologue style. A la Bill Burr when he does his podcast. Or when Joe Lanza does a solo flagship every once in a blue moon because Rich is too busy with other things. So it'll just be me this time around. I hope all of you are doing well. The last time I dropped an episode, it was Thanksgiving week. So I hope all of you had a lovely Thanksgiving with your family and your friends. Stuffed your faces with food and drink, as is the custom. Actually, after that last podcast came out, not only was it Thanksgiving, it was also my birthday. Yes, December 2nd, your buddy Andrew turned 25 years old quarter of a century. And you know who I share a birthday with that is part of the wrestling world? None other than Jinsei Shinzaki. Yes, Akushi and I share a birthday. I also share a birthday with Britney Spears, Lucy Liu, Aaron Rodgers, Nelly Furtado, Cassie Steele, aka Manny Santos, to all my Degrassi fans out there, And you know who else? I just found this out recently. I share a birthday with Brendan Coyle, who was Mr. Bates on Downton Abbey with the bum leg. We share birthdays. How about that? It feels like yesterday that I was entering kindergarten, making friends with Max Greb, Michael Galito, Rana Sandu, Joey Cooper. And now, here I am, 20 years later, turning the big 2-5. I went out to dinner, went to Morton's Steakhouse, got myself a nice, thick, juicy filet mignon, some steamed broccoli, and pillowy mounds of mashed potatoes. Very delicious. But now, that wonderful meal is in the past. Here I am, sitting alone in my apartment, talking into a microphone for you fine folks. Why do I do it? 
For the money? No. No, no, no. For the fame? Eh, partly. But mostly I do it because I love it. And I love all the fans who tune in every two weeks to hear a new episode. I know the holidays are coming up fast. Busy time of year for folks. We've got Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, a festivus for the rest of us. People are out and about shopping or traveling. And I just appreciate that given the madness of the past few weeks and the madness that is yet to come, people are finding time to listen to this podcast. So, as we always say here on Music of the Mat, thank you very much. You're very kind. On now to today's episode, episode 22. 22! 22! No, 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 no. I'm not going to be talking about Sid Vicious or Goldberg or even Moses. No, today's episode is going to be different than normal episodes. A normal episode, we do some talking, play some music, analyze the music, and then hit the bricks. This episode is not going to be like that. It's also not an episode that I wanted to do now. Or in this way, really. I had wanted to do an episode about the themes of Los Ingobernables de Japón. Because New Japan just put an album out with all of their themes on it. Including the new version of Evil's theme, the Bushi Hiromu Tag Team theme, and the remixed version of Naito's theme. But I wasn't able to get it within a sufficient amount of time to prepare for this episode. So I'm going to shelve that topic for now and save it for another day. I kept mulling about, trying to come up with a topic, and I just couldn't find one. But then, I woke up on the morning of November 30th, and I saw the news from a tweet by Theme Titan that said that Jim Johnston, the longtime composer for WWE, had been released. Now, I was hesitant at first to believe this, because A, it's Jim Johnston. B, it was from Theme Titan, not WWE. And I mean no disrespect at all to Theme Titan. It's just that you prefer to hear company news from the company itself. Which brings me to C, WWE had not acknowledged that they had released Jim Johnston on their webpage or Twitter or wherever. So I had my doubts. It was only later that I realized that WWE were not going to comment on the release of Jim Johnston because they don't tell the masses when they release a backstage worker, unlike when they release a wrestler. The only way we would hear about Jim Johnston getting released is through other people, other sources. It's kind of like in Goodfellas, the guys who whacked Joe Pesci don't tell Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta hears it from Robert De Niro, and Robert De Niro hears it from a payphone. It was revenge for Billy Gunn. He didn't like Ass Man as much as we thought he did, and there was nothing we could do about it. So as the day wore on, and the news really started to sink in that Jim Johnston had been released from WWE after all these years, it occurred to me 
that I finally had my topic for this episode. And it's a topic that does not necessitate a regularly styled episode, where most of it is spent really analyzing the music and digging in to the technicalities of it all. I think for something like this, it'd be okay to stray from the path and talk about something different. And in this case, what I'll be talking about is the legacy of Jim Johnston. My name is Jim Johnston, and I write the music for the World Wrestling Federation. I, I try to start off every tune with something unique to that character. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. The Rock, his father and grandfather were both wrestlers, so there's a certainly a sort of a, almost a dynasty kind of element to his character. And I was thinking of something that's... Um, noble almost and I was hearing horns almost like here comes the king you know nobility but transferring you know so the music has to match that character um, in every way and as soon as the music plays my goal is to take you there emotionally is to get you into that storyline in like two notes or less. With uh, volume four, the music coming out, I'm putting the finishing touches on a bunch of themes. Today I'm putting the finishing touches on Chris Jericho's music. The way I start is with a drum track, making sure that the backbeat, the is what I'm looking for. When that gets close, I'll add in bass guitars. Right now, I am putting some processing on the lead vocal of Jericho's track. I want there to be, I want this to be really edgy, so I've got to, I've got to distort the vocal, something you don't normally do, but... So there's the basic vocal. Drive is another name for distortion, so I'm going to take this knob and turn it all the way up. So I've got everything individually sounding the way I want it to. But now comes the mix. It's a really slow process that can take many, many hours, and that's what I face now with this. The legacy of Jim Johnston. Sounds very ominous, doesn't it? Sounds downright gargantuan. Well, that's because it is. It's a big legacy. Much bigger than the legacy of Manu and Sim Snuka. Much bigger than the legacy of Ted DiBiase Jr. and Cody Rhodes. Bigger even than the legacy of Randy Orton. Because even though Randy Orton is a 13-time world champion, that man did not write Jake Roberts' theme song. He did not write The Rock's theme song. And he most certainly did not write Rob Conway's theme song. Just look at me. Yeah. 
Okay, maybe that one was a bad example. But the point still stands. The legacy of Jim Johnston is massive. Not even I, a man of such brilliant talent, can give an appropriate summation to the career, the impact, the legacy of a man like Jim Johnston. We're talking about a legacy forged over the course of 30 years of consistent hard work behind the scenes of the biggest wrestling company on God's green earth. Weighing in at 320 pounds from Death Valley, I give you The Undertaker. <laughs> the Undertaker, the mystery partner is now revealed. I never heard of oh, him. Holy cow. Look at the size of that ham hock. I hear we have this new guy. Needs music. Undertaker. Okay. Uh, what kind of music? Well, uh, I don't know, but he's a dead guy. And, you know, it's like, well, what are you supposed to think? He's a dead guy. I mean, he's actually dead, so we're not even going to see somebody? Or, No, he's like seven feet and wears a black leather coat. So I tried all sorts of stuff. As is frequent in this process, when you're trying to find something, you generally don't find it. And when you kind of relax into what's right in front of your face, the information that's right there, the answer reveals itself quickly. And, and that's what happened in this case. I thought like, well, okay, it's a dead guy. So he died. It should be something uh, sad and uh, mournful. And I played this incredibly delicate little, just a, a high like this. think how do we change that into a theme it's got to be you know some gigantic church organ and the Mormon Tabernacle Choir and then I thought of the death bell I ended up combining two different bells uh, with a bass guitar note uh, for that big, you know, sound. You think about guys who have great entrances, Undertaker, they carry this attitude and charisma out there, and they just let that kind of sweep over the crowd, which it does. And then in the backdrop, just like a film, is this soundtrack that's happening to that guy's charisma. And when those things come together, it's an incredibly powerful thing. Consistency. That's a very important word here. Consistency. For 30 years, Jim Johnston was consistent. Not in terms of quality. Everyone has clunkers in the canon. I'm talking consistency in terms of work ethic, output, 
go to any point in time, any era over the previous 30 years of WWE history, you will find Jim Johnston hard at work. 1987, 1994, 2005, 2010, 2017. Jim Johnston was in that studio in Stamberg, Connecticut, cranking out a song for a wrestler, for a pay-per-view, for a vignette, for a cage even. He never lost his smile. He never took his ball and went home. He never went back to his home planet and died on the way there. He was consistent. And it's because of that consistency, that continual output, that the sentence, Jim Johnston created the soundtrack to my childhood, is applicable to multiple generations of wrestling fans. Who was your favorite wrestler when you were a kid in the late 80s? Was it the Ultimate Warrior? Did you get really excited when his music hit and he ran out to the ring full sprint like Usain Bolt to fight Rick Rude or Hercules or whomever, Jim Johnston made you feel that excitement. Do you remember at WrestleMania 13 in 1997 when Stone Cold Steve Austin made his entrance? big pane of glass that had Austin 316 written on it, shattered on the entranceway at the same time that the sound effect in his theme happened. And then Bret Hart came out and he walked over the broken glass. It's because of Jim Johnston that that moment happened. You know that rush of adrenaline that you feel every time you hear, If you smell what the rock and the rock comes out sure the rock may not be as cool as he once was but you still feel that excitement you still feel that rush every time that song hits Jim Johnston is the source of that rush. And you know how Jinder Mahal is just a shit pro wrestler? I mean a terrible, awful, no good, very bad pro wrestler. But you still tolerate him. Why? Because his theme song is baller as fuck. Jinder Mahal 
better get on his hands and knees every single night and pray to a shrine of Jim Johnston. Because without that theme, he'd be completely irredeemable. 30 years, from Ultimate Warrior to Jinder Mahal. A consistent, decades-long output that has ingrained itself in the minds of pro wrestling fans all over the world. Mantine, when he first came on, we didn't really know, why is this guy so screwed up? You know, what, what happened? There has to be a backstory. But he played that brilliantly in that you believe there was some backstory and it also kind of drew you into his character to want to know what had happened. When he came out, it, it was, yes, it's kind of a sad, tragic thing we've got going here, but he's could be mentally disturbed or something, so you'd better be careful. I wrote this simple thing for mankind. It starts really weird, but then halfway through it, there's this sort of, uh, it, it gets pretty for a second, and then it goes back to tragic. So, so the first part is a... There's a little bit of a release. A little trivia here. Mankind was the first guy in WWE history to have uh, an entrance theme and an exit theme, which were different pieces of music. I said, maybe I could have two different pieces of music, an entrance theme and an exit theme. And the exit theme would, you know, be the relief of suffering, the happiness I felt at seeing someone else suffer. By the end of the match, it would seem that there was a certain um, it was almost like a Hannibal Lecter thing, where after he'd do these heinous things, there was this wonderful release and happiness part. So um, the exit theme was this kind of very pretty uh, little minuet. And then he went on to be 18 other characters. The audience, they were aware of who Dude Love was because of the stories I had told. People completely got it. And I came out to that great, you know, the great Jim Johnson music, Dude Love, which only has three words, Dude Love, Dude Love, three words in the whole song. And it was just great. Don't ask me why a laid back hip cat like Dude Love had disco music. We don't need to know that. We know his songs. They're a part of our lives. But I wonder, I wonder, how much do any of us know about Jim Johnston himself? That's another part of his legacy, his elusivity. We just don't know a lot about his life. He's done interviews here and there where he's talked about the process of writing themes and his thoughts on music trends and stuff like that. But we really don't know who Jim Johnston is. No life story. No tawdry gossip. 
And I don't say that as any sort of criticism against the man. Actually, in this day and age, where everybody knows everything about everyone, thanks to social media and the internet, all our dirty little secrets plastered about for the world to see, DMs getting screencapped, text messages being released to and fro. The fact that Jim Johnston has managed to keep this air of privacy surrounding his life is quite refreshing. He doesn't have to let us know about his favorite flavor of ice cream or how many ingrown toenails are on his feet at any given moment. What matters to Jim Johnston is that you know his music, not him. And it's this detachment, this semi-secrecy, that makes Jim Johnston such an interesting figure in the world of wrestling. Because I do think that he is someone whom only wrestling fans would know. He's not Hulk Hogan. He's not The Rock. He doesn't transcend pro wrestling, not by a long shot. But I also don't think that every wrestling fan knows the name Jim Johnston. Certainly those who just started watching the past few years don't know him, because CFOs have been the main composers of WWE's themes. Casual fans, who over the years have dipped in and out of the product, may know Stone Cold's theme, or they may know The Rock's theme, but they may not know the name Jim Johnston. I know his name. Chances are you know his name. And chances are we both appreciate all the work that he's done over the years. But that's because we're big wrestling fans. We make an effort to absorb as much as possible. We see his name pop up during the end credits of the 1987 Slammy Awards. Music director, Jim Johnston. We buy a CD from Strawberries or Sam Goody, and his name is all over the liner notes. Music written and performed by Jim Johnston. He was in the DX band at WrestleMania 14 and SummerSlam 98. We watched the documentary Beyond the Mat, and he's in it for 10 seconds talking about Vader's entrance music. Vince has in-house composers. It's a, uh, you know, he walks like this. So the theme's got to reflect that. The man, Vader! We hear his voice on the album WWE Originals. Hey, Steve. Welcome to the studio. Glad hey. to have you here today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. You yeah. got everything ready, right? I got everything, just like we spoke on the phone. No, the where? Track. Well, just like you told me. Where's the beer? Um... You didn't mention beer. I specifically mentioned beer. How do you expect me to record a record without no beer? Okay. Sorry. Sorry. My mistake. I'll get some beer. Hey, it could happen to anybody, okay? okay. Maybe I shouldn't be so hard on you. It's kind of early in the morning. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Steve. What are you saying? I No, I mean, no, just... Well, hey, let's listen to the track. I think you're going to be happy. A few years ago, WWE did a short documentary called Signature Sounds, and it's about some of the big themes that WWE has had over the years. Jim Johnston is there, giving little snippets about how he came up with this riff or that melody. I think the only theme I've ever written with a sh what's called a shuffle beat, most rock songs are 4-4, four, four, straight beat, you know, like that. But Rob's is shuffle swing beat, which is...
so he's not a ghost, but you have to make an effort. Which gets me thinking, how many of the wrestling fans who know who Jim Johnston is know what he looks like? Do you know what he looks like? I know, I know, his picture is the episode photo, don't at me. Have you ever turned on the TV and seen Jim Johnston's face? I don't think so, because he was never an on-screen character on Raw or Superstars or wherever. He's never been inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. I brought up the DX band, but that was pay-per-view, and it's not like he was front and center. That was Chris Warren. Do most people know what Jim Johnston looks like? Probably not. I will tell you, though, who he looks like. Jim Johnston looks like Bob Balaban. Bob Balaban, star of many Christopher Guest movies, a few Wes Anderson films. He was in Ghost World as Thor Birch's dad. He was the bad guy in The Majestic, the Jim Carrey movie. And he was the bad guy in The Mexican, the Brad Pitt movie. He was also the NBC executive on Seinfeld that Jerry and George pitched their show to. Google him right now. And I guarantee you, you'll say, oh yeah, Jim Johnston does look like Bob Balaban. Except Jim Johnston has more hair. This was the thing that was unique about DX was um, I thought to have a long teasing intro before we get to the music. I worked with Chris Warren, the singer, who did such a great job. I didn't know what I wanted it to be. Just to have something while I was working with Chris in the studio, right here, as a matter of fact, um, I just set up a, a beat just with, a, with the kick drum. I set it up almost as like just a metronome, so I'd have something in the headphones. And I had Chris in front of the microphone, and I was on the other side of the microphone, and I said, I'm just going to start thinking of something, and I want you to say it in your incredibly cool, attitudinal snotty voice and I just started thinking of anything I could that was confrontational break the rules I just started saying you know you think you can tell us what to do you think you can tell us what to wear you think you can tell me who to be you think you can tell you think you can do this you think you can do that and I took kind of the highlights put it together you think you can tell us what to do you think you can tell us what to wear you think that you're better? And then Break It Down, I stole from an, a later part of the song. Of course, I wrote it, just Break It Down, but he took it to this whole new level of screaming it. Break it down! The basic groove is uh, a funk groove. I don't know why. It's not really a rock and roll thing at all. simple but um, it really was different it sounded like uh, people who were really confident that they were throwing it back up in your face and could care less what you thought about them and if you're not down with 
I'll give you another aspect of Jim Johnston's legacy. Versatility. Versatility in a couple of different ways. First of all, the man could play multiple instruments. Guitar, drums, piano, he even sang. In fact, if there was a particular theme that required him to play an instrument that he had never played before, he would learn just enough to play that instrument's part for the song. Incredible. And he used those talents on most of his compositions. Most of the themes that you've heard over the years, that's Jim Johnston and Jim Johnston alone. He wrote it himself, he composed it himself, he produced it himself, and he played it himself. Not all the themes, obviously. There have been guest musicians brought in to record some songs. But even still, Jim Johnston is typically the one who wrote it. So long before Heath Slater was wrestling's one-man band, that moniker belonged to Jim Johnston. He was also versatile in another way, and that has to do with the genres of themes that he composed. Wrestling has a lot of diverse characters. We've got clowns, we've got garbage men, we've got vampires, Asian cowboys, male cheerleaders, skinhead bikers, leprechauns, and whatever the hell Snitsky was. Thousands of wrestlers of different shapes and sizes, creeds and colors, occupations and sexual orientations. You can't give them all the same type of theme. It's common sense. You gotta tailor the themes to that wrestler's look, their character, their disposition. Make them stand out. Make them unique. And that's where Jim Johnston excelled above the rest. He could make a theme fit a wrestler so well and make it truly sound like their own. Like that theme could not work for any other wrestler on the show. It didn't matter if they were a main eventer, a mid-carder, or a jobber. When Jim Johnston made a theme, he made it yours. On one show, you could have white hip-hop dancers. Turn it up! That was interesting. Turn it up! A fun-loving pimp. Come get on back. Two badass roughnecks. bunch of preppy assholes.
each of those themes will sound unique and fit their wrestlers to a T. And they're all coming from the same guy. The same guy. I know we've talked in the past about how Jim Johnston does have his tropes. He does have his phases. He loves his metal guitars, even in stuff like hip-hop. And if you listen to WWF The Music Volume 2, he uses a particular guitar sound that is all over the album. But overall, you can't deny the range of sounds that this man has created. Rock. Metal. Pop. Country. Dance. Hip-hop. Rap rock. Funk. R&B. Blues. Reggae. Latin. East Asian. Middle Eastern. Indian. Orchestral. Bastion Booger. There's seemingly no style of music that he could not do. Okay, maybe not Tibetan throat singing. Couldn't do that. But everything else, he dipped his toes in. By himself, again. He's coming up with all these themes by himself. They're from his own mind. This wasn't WCW, where they had access to all these production libraries. This wasn't ECW, where they could just take a song from real life because they were on at 2 a.m. in the morning and no one was watching. This wasn't TNA, where most of the songs that Dale Oliver composed are ripoffs of other songs. And I'm not throwing shade at any of those other companies. I like a lot of their themes. But if we're talking pure versatile talent, pure originality, there's no comparison. Jim Johnston is the man. Or I guess I should say he was the man. Circling back around, Jim Johnston was recently released from WWE. And it's not like he was thrown out of the office mid-guitar riff. He wasn't dragged out of the studio clutching his pen. Wait! Wait! I need to finish the baseline for Riddick Moss's new theme. Not like that. It was no secret that over the past few years, Jim Johnston was no longer the main composer for WWE themes. That mantle had been passed along to the team of CFOs. And CFOs certainly have their own way of doing things. They have their own mentalities and tropes when it comes to writing music. I might as well bring this up now. I see a lot of comments on Reddit or YouTube or wherever saying that, oh, CFOs, they only write 40 seconds of a song and then they loop it for four minutes. They don't know how to compose a full song. Jim Johnston wrote actual songs. Now, CFOs, they are quite loop-heavy with their themes. That's fairly obvious with a lot of their songs. But to be fair, so was Jim Johnston. Jim Johnston's songs had their fair share of loops. You don't think Steve Austin's theme was the same three or four sections repeated? Or The Rock's theme? Or Kurt Angle? Or Undertaker? I mean, let's be fair here. Wrestling themes, on the whole, are quite loopy. Sure, there are songs that, when they're released on a CD, they were full songs with a flowing structure. But for the most part, it's loops, getting these hooks stuck in people's heads so they remember and react when they see them live. True for Jim Johnston, true for CFOs. But that's getting off the point. My point is that Jim Johnston's workload had slowed down considerably. 
he wasn't the central hub of music anymore. He was still working on things for WWE. Actually, his last theme was quite recent. It was Baron Corbin's new theme, I Bring the Darkness. just goes to show that even though he wasn't the main guy anymore, he still has what it takes to produce a killer theme. And they had also just put out the fourth installment of the Uncaged album series, which are a collection of themes that Jim Johnston has done that have never been officially released until now. So his release was still a shock. The man was an institution of the WWE for so long. But once you look at recent events... You can connect the dots and see why they did it. Cost-cutting probably being the main reason. It's weird, you know? It's weird not having Jim Johnston be part of that company in some form or fashion. We all expected him to be there forever. He's not an old guy. He's in his late 50s. Plenty of time left on the clock. But that's the way it goes, I guess. Business is business. It's cold and impersonal. The radio station that I work at who just changed owners a few weeks ago. The program director had been working there for 25 years. Now he's gone. Poof, just like that. I saw a tweet from Matthew of Botchamania. Thought it was very funny. It was a picture of Dusty Rhodes doing the Hard Times promo. Ha, times. I want a man has worked at a job for 30 years. 30 years. And they give him a watch, kick him in the butt, and say, CFOs took your job, daddy. We joke about it because it's crushing. It hurts. It feels like the end of an era. The definitive closing of a chapter of all our lives. Look back on that chapter now. Look back on the work that Jim Johnston has done over the years. All the music he's given us. All the memories. What stands out to you the most? Which themes will always stay with you? What is it about Jim Johnston that made him so great to you? I asked this question on Twitter. And a lot of you wrote in with your answers. So here they are. Nikki the Fox, the Beverly Brothers, second theme, the Steiner Brothers, the model Rick Martel, Razor Ramon, Owen Hart slash High Energy, Jake Roberts' Trust Me theme, Goldust first theme, Mankind intro and outro, Alundra Blaze, Kona Crush, Ahmed Johnson. Those themes I will forever have stuck in my mind because of the little things you can hear in each cut, from drums to bass, a certain keyboard riff, guitar riff here and there, head cheese, leaning towards the SummerSlam 2002 theme, You're Gonna Pay, the Mankind Entrance slash Exit theme, and the Dude Love theme. 
Nick Percaro, I Won't Do What You Tell Me, Dark Side, The Real Deal, Break It Down, The Ultimate, My Time, Break Down the Walls, Too Much Gold, He Knew How to Do Rock Themes Better Than Anyone, Production Value and Sense of Groove and Rhythm Were On Point, Steve Castaneda, The Evolution of the Undertaker Themes, It's Just Dark, Yet Beautiful. Voices of Wrestling, the obvious answer for me is the walking to the ring slash cage music that was so prevalent in 1997 to 2000. Matt, loved when he made an entrance and exit theme for mankind, so unique. Don't believe anyone has had that since. And the exit theme itself was absolutely brilliant. Nothing else in wrestling sounds like it. Then now whatever, the intro to No Chance in Hell literally sounds like a storm brewing to me. Then the opening vroom riff sounds like a lightning strike. It's like it gives you a chance to process, oh shit, Vince is on his way, before BAM, he's there. And now I'm walking around doing the Vince strut while I give it a spin. I find it funny how it wasn't composed for Vince specifically, yet it just fits the rhythm of his walking pattern so well. Neatham, the Diesel Blues, and The Undertaker's 94-98 theme. Also, the original Hunter Hearst Helmsley theme is a perfect example of a peak Jim Johnston tune, instantly recognizable and fits with the character. Oscar Chamorro, the theme of SummerSlam 2002, Fight is low-key good. Daniel Hill, Armageddon's The End is a classic. Worked so well. Themes I could go on and on with. He just hit the nail on the head more than not. Guilty Pleasure is Gobbledygooker's theme. Just catchy and perfect. Drum track amazing. Needs to be released. Jim used the one second rule to perfection. Undertaker, Kane, Austin, Rock, Triple H, Brett, Royer. The list could go on and on. As soon as the track hit, you knew who it was. Samantha S. Broken Dreams, which was Drew McIntyre's first theme. No belt required. I lost my virginity to mankind's crash theme. That is an actual tweet I got. Lee Malone. Jim Johnston provided the soundtrack to my childhood. Whether it was Warriors Unstable, LOD's What a Rush, Jake Roberts' Snake Bit, to name just three iconic themes. To contribute to the company for three decades is phenomenal, and his hit rate was superb. Leon. My favorites are The Nation's theme, the first Gold Dust theme, Kurt Angle's ECW theme, and Eric Rowan's singles theme. 370 Claws. I wanted to second the end for Armageddon, one of the best pay-per-view themes ever, in my opinion. No other specifics stick out at the moment, but I know that he has composed a roster's entire theme count for years, and my favorite wrestlers wouldn't have been complete without him. I want to repeat that line. My favorite wrestlers wouldn't have been complete without him. I think that's a good thing to end on. Completion. That is the legacy of Jim Johnston. A man who worked 30 years to make wrestling complete. It doesn't matter that he was never an on-screen character. It doesn't matter that he never was a rock star. I have read interviews that's not the type of guy that he is. 
Jim Johnston loves being behind the scenes. He loves creating music. And because of that love, we have 30 years of memories that we probably never would have gotten with a production library or real-life songs or rip-offs. Yes, you can be angry that Jim Johnston was released, but you can't say that it was all for nothing. There was no big endgame for Jim Johnston, no shiny pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that he just missed out on getting. Not for his line of work. For him, the prize is the work. It is the music. Would it be amazing WWE acknowledged all his years of service and put him in the WWE Hall of Fame? Of course. Would it be amazing if Dave Meltzer and the voters for the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame acknowledged all that Jim Johnson has done for pro wrestling and put him in? Of course. But until then, I don't think Jim Johnston is going to lose sleep over it. I now quote Mr. Johnston from an interview he did back in 2013 for The Atlantic. They asked him if he had any favorite memories attached to his time at WWE. And he said this, Disappointingly, no. I can't remember off the top of my head. There have been so many great moments. This place is a very dynamic thing. I'm a very emotional guy, and one thing I like about this place is it's a very emotional place. It's common to feel either very moved by something, or excited about something, or like, holy crow, boy did that work out. Like many composers slash artists I've spoken with and read about, particularly if you're of my personality, where you're more about the behind the scenes and creating the music, and less about being out front and being a rock star. There's this process where once you've done something, it completely leaves you, like a child. It now has its own life, and it goes out there, and you are not left with any great sense of ownership of that thing. If I'm at an event and watching guys come out, I enjoy it from a very removed place, like any other fan that's out there. I don't sit there and go, wow, whew, man, I did a great job with that one. It's just fun to watch and listen to. The closest to something that has been moving is sometimes seeing fans react and seeing that they know the lyrics to stuff that I've written and that it's really moving them or getting them excited. That's a very touching thing for me to see, that maybe I've made a little bit of a difference in their life and gave them a laugh or a smile or whatever. You did, Jim. You did. Am I now picturing the ending of Mr. Holland's opus, where Jim Johnston enters an auditorium full of WWE alumni, cheering and applauding him? Am I now picturing Jim Johnston walking down the aisle past S.A. Rios, Repo Man, Chris Masters, Rico, Dean Malenko, Savio Vega, Jimmy Wang Yang, Undertaker, Triple H, among countless others? Am I now picturing Stone Cold Steve Austin standing at a podium? We are your symphony, Mr. Johnston. We are the melodies and the notes of your opus. We are the music of your life. <laughs> oh. Maybe. Just maybe. Thank you, Jim Johnston. We'll always love you, your music, and what you've done for wrestling. Well, that does it for this episode of Music of the Mat. 
Thank you so much for listening. Music of the Mat is part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can check out a host of great wrestling podcasts like the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast, Shake Them Ropes, Open the Voice Gate, Burning Spirits, New Japan Pearlcast, Five Star Match Game, Everything Evolves, Wrestling Omakase, and much, much more. Voicesofwrestling.com Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. Go to the VOW forums, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash forum. That's where you'll find the YouTube playlists for each episode of the show. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play. Give it a nice rating and review. Helps the show out tremendously. And of course, in general, tell your friends about the show. It's always great when new people join the fun. And with all that said, I'm Andrew Rich. I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.